E-A-B-L-E-S. Ebels. Remember that name because if you suffer from chronic joint and muscle pain like me, then Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil is your answer to your prayers. The Ebels story began with the search for something natural to help manage chronic migraines. But Ebels helps more than just migraines. From managing chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more, Ebels is truly a game changer in the natural alternatives to big pharma drugs. And yours truly, Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, can indeed vouch for the quality of Ebels. Having a herniated disc in my back, whew, coupled with years of sports injuries, I was struggling to find something, anything to help manage my pain. That is until Ebels. With the best quality product and customer service in the industry, Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil and Ebels Freeze Gel easily stand above all the competition. And right now, Ebels is offering a special discount to all members of the Brian Nichols Show audience on all orders. All you have to do is head to Ebels.com and use promo code TB. NS, the Brian Nichols Show, right? TBNS at checkout. That's it. Discount applied. Again, the code is TBNS at checkout to start managing your pain today with the highest quality CBD on the market. One more time, that is code TBNS at checkout. And now, on to the show. Can I pause for a second and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At the Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Happy Thanksgiving, you amazing wonderful phenomenal folks i am your humble host brian nichols here on the brian nichols show and yes you are in store for a phenomenal thanksgiving special which was supposed to be a debate which turned into more of a conversation which turned into uh, really just a one-on-one with a uh, joshua smith and uh, yours truly it started out it was supposed to be a, a conversation between theodore uh from crowdfunded government who uh, ended up he had a lot of technical issues on his end uh so the audio was uh actually unusable and uh, went out to uh, see if, if he'd be interested in re-recording and noticed his his accounts were nuked. Uh, so fingers crossed, all is well with Theodore over there. So ended up, I, I, I doctored and fixed up as best I could um, the episode uh, to, to make it so. It ended up being a conversation uh, really with myself and Josh. And, and really, you're going to hear Josh have some some long monologues at the, as we start out the conversation here. Uh, because it, it would be areas where, where Theodore was uh, was responding. So anyways, know that as you go into the episode, you'll hear uh, where we both actually mentioned, oh, sounds like Theodore uh, dropped off the call. So uh, that's where uh, it ends up being more of a one-on-one, actually, with, with Josh and, and myself uh, going forward, and, and really a chance to dig into what it is that we're, we're thankful for. And, and that's where I want to start off uh, today's episode before we actually go into the conversation uh, with my, myself and, and Joshua. And, and that is that this year, um, yeah, there's been a lot out there, I think, that we can we can point to and really be upset about and i think 2020 is easily probably one of the hardest years on record for for most of us right we we've seen a, a lot of uh, friends lose jobs uh, family members you not just uh, go through some very serious health issues but we've lost family members and to, then you add on top of just normal life right and and being isolated for months in some cases on end depending on your states and depending on the the people uh that it's it's impacting i mean this is, I think, one of the years where we all, as as not just a country, but really as a world, we were all in, in a state of sadness, depression, discomfort, 
uh, and and really a, a collective mindset of you know this year <laughs> was rough, and and yet despite all the the negatives, despite all the things that you know there are uh, easy to, for us to look at and be you know, upset over, I think we also need to appreciate the things that we do have in in this country. I mean, we have relative to pretty much every other country the best standard of living across the board. You know, you could be the poorest of Americans and still be, you know, the top 1% in in any other country. Uh, you know, we have seen time and again, uh, America has risen to the the call whenever there has been a, a need. And in this case, a need, American ingenuity. Uh, you know, whether you're taking the vaccine or not, whether you want to believe conspiracy theories or not, I don't care. That, that That's not the point. The point being, we had our our pharmaceutical companies in America through the, the the free market system. Now, yes, granted, there were you know not true free market incentives in place for these pharmaceutical companies, but just to even have the pharmaceutical companies in the first place to have the ability to create a vaccine with in some cases ninety five percent efficacy. I mean, that's it's a big deal, right? And and we need to be you know thankful for that. If this you know COVID va- or COVID virus hit us in in nineteen twenty, right? What would the the ramifications be? What would we see? From a, a long term you know impact, would it had wiped out <laughs> you know thousands more uh, than it w- has now? I would say probably. Uh, you know, you look at the way we've been able to not only now have a vaccine, but look at the fact that we we have therapeutics in place that make survival eighty percent more uh, likely relative to where we started off back in March. Um, you know, and, and and to see there are companies uh, I forget the specific, I think it was Pfizer uh, possibly or or Moderna. It was Moderna. There we go. Um, they they said that they had the vaccine like ready to go. They figured it out in two days. In January, two days. It took them two days to to actually get the vaccine like figured out how to to move forward with it. So I mean that speaks to where we are not only um from a, a societal standpoint. You know we we are at the um, the cutting edge in terms of, of science and innovation. And really, we have to, to look back and acknowledge why that exists, why it is that people um, you know, flock to America in, in mass to, to live here. It's, it's not because of a, a socialist society. It's not because you know, we're or a society of this, this hive mind, but rather e pluribus unum, right, from one many. And with that, the many different strengths that we bring to the table, it, it creates a marketplace of, of ideas and, and a true marketplace of services and, and products because there's so many different perspectives that are out there and there's a different marketplace for all those different perspectives. We need to, to foster those those openings of, of the marketplace, allowing people to engage with one another, allowing people to actually enjoy the, the fruits of, of a, a, free, a truly free competitive marketplace. And I think as we go forward, you know, throughout the rest of this year, it's important to appreciate, you know, the, the fact that we do live in, in easily the best time in human history to be an American right now in 2020 versus what being in the Middle East in what circa 500 AD pick your poison, right? Be, be appreciative, be thankful this Thanksgiving season. And as we move forward into the episode, that's where Josh and I end up, um, you know, really bringing the conversation is, is focusing on the things that we can, you know, agree to, uh, you know, focus on being thankful, focusing on the things that matter, right? That's where I think we as a society need to really get together and, and agree at least on that concept that we, while we have to live here, right? This is a point we do bring up in the episode. While we do live here, um, we do have to, you know, quote unquote, coexist, right? Which is 
I know we say it tongue in cheek, but we do. We we do have to live with each other. We have to accept. Um, now that doesn't mean tolerate tolerance and acceptance are, are very um, you know important, but very different things. You can tolerate, but you don't necessarily accept. And, and I think that's where we we need to have a fundamental conversation um, based on those differences at some point in the near future. And, and I think you know we are on that pathway, and that's exactly why. Um, you know, we we encourage dialogue here in the Brian Nichols Show to, to to flesh out these ideas and make sure you know that we're keeping ourselves accountable. We're coming up here in in a week or so, you're going to be hearing I have a friend, uh, a, you know, close family friend who fundamentally disagrees with a lot of uh, libertarian ideas. But I, I dare say we're going to find that as we go through and we we talk about how we can bring value, um, you know, we can actually sell liberty to somebody. I think we're going to find that we're more successful than not when we approach uh, you know in a solutions based mindset and that's exactly what you know we discuss here on the show uh, as, as Josh goes through discussing libertarian party successes um, and the merits of, of a libertarian party uh, and and definitely I do play straw man uh, for for Theodore as he cut out there in the argument trying to say hey well listen what about those those GOP GOPers and, and hey, maybe even Democrats right um, I, I try to you know at least guide that conversation that way to, to, to give the argument where it was due um, but guys that being said, please enjoy today's episode. Um, if you do enjoy, obviously share with some family and friends. We'll wrap up here quickly after the episode. But with that being said, on to the show, Joshua Smith here on The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, thanks a lot for having us, Brian. Absolutely. We are here today because uh, there was a, a proposal uh, that was raised up for me hosting a debate. And, and said debate was to be focused on how do we best advance or sell liberty, right? And that's also what we've been focusing here on The Brian Nichols Show. How do we best sell liberty going forward and i've you know been of the approach i'm i'm whatever is going to work and i'm trying to figure out what does work right so today theodore uh and, and josh are going to be uh having a i wouldn't even say it's a debate really guys i think it's more of a conversation right um it's it's going to be focused on how can we and josh from josh's perspective i am going to lay the fr- uh framework here and i'll let you guys kind of ex- uh, extrapolate forward you can use both. You can look at the Libertarian Party as a tool, but also look at some allies in the GOP. And I would say, Theodore, your position is going to be more so that, you know, hey, we need to present more of uh, going through the GOP or the Democratic Party building up inroads there. So let's start off here. Um, so I'm not misrepresenting either side. Josh, did I kind of start out framing your kind of perspective in the right way? Sure. I mean, you know, I, I'm somebody who works inside the political landscape, obviously, but I, I come from a you know, kind of an anarcho-capitalist, voluntarist background um, who, you know, for many, many years was a non-voter, uh, refused to work inside of politics, um, uh, you know, ex- outside the Ron Paul campaigns, obviously. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> um, and and I found that, you know, it, it, like I say quite frequently, if, 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 if you were a mechanic and you had an entire toolbox and um, you had a problem that you're trying to fix and, and, you know, you have eight drawers of tools and you come to that last drawer of tools and say, I'm not going to use that one. You're probably going to miss a lot of problems that you could have fixed. And mm. so, um, for me is like, you know, I went from, from understanding the movement as a whole to, to saying that's the movement as a whole is more complete with an, also a political wing. And that's something that I learned from Murray Rothbard as well. So, you know, I, I joined up with the, with the political side of the libertarian movement and, and I've seen some. Um, progress there, which I think is really good, and uh, I see its usefulness. And so I decided that I would I would hop on the on the train and see if we could get things going. So I think that the LP is, is supposed to be a, a tool that represents libertarian 
ideology on on a political stage, whether that be local, state, or federal. Um, you know, and 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 I think that there's been a lot of years, and it's and it's a more than fifty years existence that that they've really dropped the ball on that. You know, I think the the Bob Barr uh, uh, version of the Libertarian Party was not helpful and set us back several years after having some great runs with Harry Brown. I think uh, I think that the Gary Johnson era, while it looked good on paper, uh, you know, to some people, it it also kind of lied to the people about what libertarianism is and uh, set us back some some. So when we did have you know in in the following election when we had a a more radical candidate, it, people were kind of like eh, you know. And so um, I, I think that you know it, it's helpful in 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 regards to ballot access. It's helpful in regards to. Uh, by you know getting more resources for candidates around the country which is something that i've touted a lot of when i was running for chairman of the party you know it's it's there's a, there's a lot of pieces a lot of moving pieces to the entire liberty movement and the party in my opinion has not well represented the entire movement as a whole and so my goal was to bring you know kind of merge the liberty movement with the libertarian party so that we had our own political vessel to to kind of work on all these issues that we see you know not not just uh, single issues and not just the gun legislation, but like all of them as a whole. And so um, I think that that's what the party should represent. And and I think that there's been years where they've done really well at that. I think, to, you know, the, the 2000 run with Harry Brown uh, was really great, you know, more than more than doubled the party membership. Uh, you, you know, we started seeing more local candidates get elected because of that, because of that, um, they really focused on down ballot candidates. And then this year, again, we started seeing that, you know, with, um, uh, you know, you can look at even some of our federal uh, candidates this year. Ricky Harrington uh, Jr. In, in Arkansas, for instance, ran against Tom Cotton, one of the most uh, visible U.S. Senate candidates in the country. And he got o over 30 percent of the vote, you know. And and um, so we wouldn't have been able to pull that off had we not had a Libertarian Party. Ricky Harrington, uh, you know, he he was invited to the debate on PBS for Arkansas. Uh, Tom Cotton refused to debate the Libertarian candidate. So they gave Ricky Harrington the entire hour to address his constituency in Arkansas. Like that couldn't have happened without, you know, the Libertarian Party fighting for 50 years to get ballot access for candidates that do not fit with the mainstream Republicans and Libertarian or uh, uh, Democratic Party. Uh, you know, because this, in my opinion, this party is predicated on, on an ideology that, you know, people are, are fed up with the Republicans and the Democrats. And so we have to be that landing, that soft landing place for them. And, and we can't, you know, we can't do that without another party, per se, in my opinion, uh, as far as politics go. You know, there's plenty of great think tanks out there. I'm a big fan of Ludwig von Mises Institute, obviously. Uh, you know, I, I, I like some of the stuff from Cato even. And, and, and there's reason. And there's all these great outlets that are, you know, market funded and, and uh, you know, and, and they're doing great things. And they're waking people up to all kinds of different issues. You know, you got, you know, you got people over at Ludwig von Mises talking about, um, uh, all kinds of great issues that, you know, that, that some maybe Cato won't talk about. Cato's talking about all kinds of great issues that maybe uh, Mises won't talk about, but the party is there to be a political vessel. It's there to put uh, our candidates on a political stage with a different letter next to their name and tout our ideology and kind of wake people up. And, and, and I, there's somewhere we do heavily agree, uh, Theodore is that, you know, we gotta really focus on the local and, and, and county and state level first. Um, and, but, but I think that it's, you know, there's a, there's some usefulness and, and some real uh, utility to running federal candidates that can uh, maybe have a chance to get on the stage. And I think our vote totals uh, over the last several uh, election cycles have shown that. So, 
that actually goes to a point I was discussing here this past uh, past week, actually, with Larry Sharp. And it was talking about not only just the necessity for you know the federal and local candidates, but also the role that's needed for activists and candidates, right? The difference between being an activist and being a candidate and, and saying, yes, there is that role. So if you're, you know, if your main issue is gun rights, right? Like be a vocal proponent of that in the activist role. But if you're a candidate, unless that's like the specific issue that is really pertinent to your locality, like you need to be the candidate that's going to be bringing people in because our, our movement right now, I would say, from a political standpoint isn't necessarily represented as well as we'd like it to be, right? We're not seeing as as quickly as we'd like to see the electoral successes happen. While we're seeing vote totals increase, I mean, candidly, this past election cycle, we did see a 2 million vote decrease, but then actually, it's funny, I just had Michael Heiss, um, who's the uh, the head of the LP Mises Caucus on my show here this week, we're airing, and uh, one of the things we were talking about was, and Michael brought this up at his point, was, well, maybe vote totals shouldn't be the, the main goal of the party, but rather getting people actually involved in the movement. So I guess I'll, I'll frame that as maybe one question that I do have is how can we get a KPI? How can we measure that, right? Well, definitely. I mean, the, the down ballot candidate vote totals. I mean, federal candidates, some like Ricky Harrington, obviously, our, our, uh, our candidate that ran against Mitch McConnell in Kentucky got you know a record vote total for a Senate candidate there. It, it, there are some federal candidates that did much better in 2020 than we did in 2016. I mean, just a, it's it's out of this world better. Um, but yeah, I mean, are, are we won way more local races in 2020. You know, there's Kara and uh, Paula who are wonderful candidate support uh, people for the, for the National Party. Um, they have that total. I think they're actually still totaling because there's still people that they haven't even found out that have won yet. Uh, but we also, you know, we won a state house seat in Wyoming. It was our first one since, I, I don't know, in like two decades or more. Um, you know, people are coming around and, and what, like I said, in the beginning of this is our, our party is predicated on uh, and, and, and hoping for people to wake up and be more jaded with the two old parties every day. If we're, if we disband the party and try to work within the, the, the Republicans or the Democrats only, um, which I'm not saying there's no usefulness in, in going to the Republican party and trying to become a member of the Republican libertarian or Liberty caucus or whatever. But, but if we don't have that soft spot for those people to land, a lot of those people would just opt out of the system. They'd be done with the Republicans and Democrats, you know, and, and, and there would be no libertarian party for them to come and fall back on. They still want to work in politics, but they don't want to work with those parties. Uh, they might have the green party, I guess, but nobody really wants to go work with the green party. They're kind of crazy. Um, but but so so yeah, we're seeing more people start to vote libertarian, especially locally. Uh, you know, with with you know, we got Jeff Hewitt, obviously big big uh, county supervisor. He's very very libertarian, outspoken libertarian. He was the one uh, before he was the county supervisor of Riverside. He was uh, the mayor of Calamesa, where he was able to completely abolish Calpers and get all of the police and firefighters off of uh, uh, you know. Uh, mandated insurance and, and 401k and got them all in 401ks for through the private market. I mean, he, he's done libertarian things. He talks about being a libertarian. He sets on the libertarian national committee. I understand that his, you know, these are nonpartisan races, uh, but, but he, he was not quiet about being a libertarian and he had to go out and make friends with Republicans and Democrats in the County uh, and, and kind of show them how his policies would kind of enrich the community and them. And he wouldn't have won if he had not done that. Now his wife just won. Uh, in this election too, uh, a seat on the city council and where he used to be the mayor. So they're kind of growing in the area, which is really, really nice. But you got to understand Riverside County has a, a constituency that's bigger than like eight other states. 
Uh, it also has like a $2 billion budget. I mean, this isn't a little county. Riverside County is a big county. Uh, so to be, be a county supervisor of, of that county and, and tout that you're a libertarian and sit on the Libertarian National Committee, that's a pretty big deal for the libertarians. But California, you know, we have, we have constantly have a, a state congress um, um, candidates there that, that, that win the top two primaries now, which used to be completely unheard of. Uh, you know, we're winning state house seats now. Finally, we got we got federal candidates that are starting to get huge vote totals. I mean, that Ricky Harrington vote total over 30 percent as a Senate candidate with an L next to your name. That's a huge, huge thing. I, I know people in Arkansas. My, my kids are from Arkansas. You know, we, they live in Iowa with us now. But uh, I, I know people in Arkansas that were hardcore uh uh, uh, Democrats or hardcore Republicans that are like, hey, I voted for your boy Ricky Harrington, and now I'm starting to see these other libertarians around. And and, and I got one buddy down there that was like, hey, I voted all libertarian everywhere I could find it. You know, it's it's good to see, and 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 that couldn't have been possible without the Libertarian Party. I understand it's been 50 years, but um, they they really had to, you know, the, the parties really had to grind on ballot access. We we're constantly fighting the two old parties, and and I'm not saying, like I said again, I'm not saying there's no usefulness to to get becoming RLC with the Republicans. But if you look at the RLC, if you look at the, the, the people who are actually RLC, uh, you got, you got Thomas Massey, you had Justin Amash, uh, Austin Peterson, who's not a, actually an elected official, but he claims RLC, uh, Rand Paul. These guys are really great. They do great things. They, they talk about great things, but they're really the, the Republican party's whipping boys. I mean, they, they can't get anything passed. It's the same as Ron Paul. Ron Paul got, you know, Ron Paul got uh, elected in 1976, right, to his congressional district. And what was he really able to accomplish as a Republican? Not much. But he did bring a lot of libertarians to the liberty movement, which is also a big goal of mine. So, um, you know, I, I see the usefulness in having our own political party where we actually, you know, we, we fundraise for libertarian causes and we, we, we put run libertarian candidates and and, uh, you know, I think that might be where you and I kind of diverge a little bit, but I, I do see the usefulness and I do see the progress, especially as someone who sits on the Libertarian National Committee as an at-large, you know, I'm privy to a lot more uh, data, obviously, uh, but it's, it's, it's true the progression of our votes at, at the local and state and, and now even some of the federal level candidates is it's really growing exponentially, which is, which is great. And, you know, we didn't expect to win any Senate, U.S. Senate uh, races this, this year, but Damn, we almost got close with one in Arkansas, which is crazy. You know, that's a, a a very very red state. They got Tom Cotton, who's made some pretty crazy remarks over his tenure, and and to to see, um, you know, a chaplain uh, get up there as a libertarian and stand on 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 state run, you know, uh, PBS and and talk about libertarian ideals for an hour and then get over thirty percent of the vote. That's really saying something. And and so you know, I expect to see more of that in twenty twenty two. Uh, with some of the U.S. Congress races, you know, may, maybe myself included, I, I've talked about it, I've thrown it around. I think, I think that the party is a useful tool to spread libertarianism on a on a political stage, whether that be local, uh, state, or or federal. I think it's a useful tool. So, so really quick, so and I guess I, I'll push uh, a little bit on this, right? Would it be, um, I mean, wouldn't it be fair to like look at states? And I, I surprised we didn't bring this up yet. Like, uh, look at Indiana, Indiana. So Chris Bangle at the big channel, we are libertarians. He built up, uh, back in like, I think it's 2008, um, like the, the local, uh, libertarian party in Indiana. And that grew to now a party that it actually is having quite a big say in Indiana politics. I mean, Don Rainwater, um, I, th- can I forget I, the total. Can I, say, can, I, can I say something, Brian? Yeah, uh, go ahead. Sorry. So, 
So me and Chris have had our our uh, our arguments back and forth over the years, but I just want to say Chris has done a lot of really great things for the party, and I, I respect the hell out of Chris. I, I don't know if he knows that because you know we we've gone back and forth publicly. So I just want Chris to know that I do respect the work that Chris has done. He's done really good really good stuff, and it's great to see what they're able to do in Indiana. Don, Don Rainwater was one of my favorite candidates this this cycle. His debates were some of the best I have seen so from fun. a libertarian. Oh my God! I w- I cannot wait for another Donald Rainwater run. I am looking forward to it one hundred percent. So, anyways, I just wanted to make sure Chris knows that I don't hate Chris, and I and I I think that uh, Chris has done a, a lot of really good things. So yeah, and, and you know what? I'm really quick. I'm going to do a little aside here too. That's why, partly on my show, I'm I'm trying to have more voices on. I'm having you, Josh. I'm having Theodore. I'm having Michael Heiss. I'm having Angela McCardle. But I'm also having Joe Bishop Penchman. I'm having Ricky Dale Harrington. I'm having Justin Amash. I'm having Thomas Massey and Austin Peterson. Like we need to have the different voices because at the end of the day, we all live together and we have to be able to communicate with one another whether you know we agree 100% on tactics or policies or principles that doesn't matter like at the end of the day we all still exist in this mecca of of life so let's let's at least be able to communicate with one another so thank you for actually saying that um but really yeah, quick sure. as we go towards back to the theater right so looking at indiana specifically right would that not maybe speak to the the point of having a libertarian party? Because now, since we were able to build up and through the local ranks, right, going up and building up the libertarian party there in Indiana, now we're able to have more of a say on a state level um, perspective instead of just the local perspective. And now it gives Andy, Indiana maybe a little bit more legs to stand on and running a national candidate at some point, maybe for U.S. Senate or, or for Congress. Is that maybe a, an argument in favor of an LP? Did we we lost them. Okay. Well, in the meantime, right, as we're as we're waiting for uh, for theater to jump back, I will say, um, you know, I I hear the argument, especially from Theodore's perspective of like wanting to build upon a a GOP and Democratic establishment, you know, perspective, because those are the parties that are in power. Right. So, I mean, if you're a party that's in power, you're already the ones who are making the decisions. So if you're making the decisions, right, then it just, it makes sense that you'd want to be a part of that. So, I mean, Josh, while we're waiting for for Theodore to jump back on, can you maybe dig into, I guess, you know, I'm not trying to say straw man, but maybe steel man, Theodore's argument of like why you'd want to to be a part of a, a Republican or Democratic party to actually enact liberty policy. Well, I'm a little different than some other libertarians, Brian. I, I like... I understand the usefulness of trying to infiltrate another party, right? Um, so I'm not one of those people that's like told, you know, there, there's people, legitimately libertarian-leaning people in this country that will not work with the libertarian party no matter how hard you try as a libertarian party. So to them, I say, please join the Republican Libertari- Liberty Caucus and infiltrate the, the, the Republican Party and change this crazy, crazy organization that they have built over there. I would love to see that happen. Uh, I just don't believe that it's going to happen overnight. And I don't believe that with the great, some of the great people they have over there, like Thomas Massey, that they're getting anything done in the GOP. Right. Um, so, so for me, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with the libertarian party platform. Uh, you know, and I, and I think that, uh, you know, that's just the party for me. And I think there's others in this country on the opposite end of that spectrum that are very libertarian want to work in the political scene but refuse to work with the republicans or the democrats and that's why the libertarian party needs to exist Mm. for those people specifically um and and so you know i i think i think there's some usefulness to getting into to an organization that has the power and and using that organization to get into positions as whereas libertarians we want to relinquish power um 
I think I think there's some usefulness in that. And I, I don't disagree with Theodore completely. I just don't think that abolishing the Libertarian Party is going to create exactly what he thinks it's going to create. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, like part of what I've been trying to do here in the show is this entire perspective of how do we sell liberty? Right. And I know there's like this really negative connotation with like sales. And I think partly it's due to this mentality of like you're like used car salesman. And it's like trying to push a bad product on people. But like if you actually look oh, at the. Hold on one second. Th- thanks, Nick Sarwark. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> oh, Nick. God bless. Um, <laughs> Like there there is something to be said of like trying to take back what it means to be a, a salesperson it really means to be a, a problem solver right to, to right. help people to to solve the issues that are are in people's day-to-day lives and and the way we do that is not by telling people what they need to know it's by asking them hey what's bothering you like what's your number one issue and then it's on us to offer the solutions and i think the problem especially with going only gop or democrat is that there is an instant gut reaction to a lot of people to those two parties so as soon as they hear the you know that the person's a republican or democrat i think a lot of people do shut off so i would say having a libertarian party or a green party or whoever it may be as an alternative it definitely has merit to giving those alternative voices and i think you know it does also speak to competition in the marketplace the more competition you have it actually pushes the other parties i mean if, if anything right the libertarian party can play that role of pushing the gop as that alternative and saying hey if you don't cater to the liberty ideals there's a party out there who will cater to that and that will take your market and if sure. it, 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 well, I've about that. well i've talked about that a lot you know both of my chair runs it's 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 important that we're the shark fin in the water right and and I, and you know when i was out petitioning for for ballot access and and getting signatures and stuff i would tell republicans and democrats they'd be like oh i don't vote libertarian i'd be like look you don't need to vote libertarian to want a libertarian on your ballot the thing about that is is when we're the shark fin in the water, when we're circling that seat, that congressional seat or that state house seat, and we're showing them that we can take that seat, uh, then, then it makes them have to start governing like they campaigned, right? They have to start making, making good on their promises. And so it's really important to have those other options, even if you don't agree with those other options, because it keeps your politicians more honest. And that's something I've talked about a, t- a ton. And, and it, you know, it's why I was, I was, I've been very successful when I've gone out to petition for, for ballot access because people are like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, you know? And it, it really is, is, it really is like, we have to show that as libertarians, we're going to provide solutions and, and to, to communities and, and, and enrich the lives of, of the people in your communities. That's how we're going to start winning is when we can show that. And the only way we're going to do that is, is by, you know, messaging our message, uh, unapologetically and showing how those solutions are going to fix people's lives. And I think, you know, like to, to, to Theodore's point is we're going to do that at the local and county and state level first, right? That's, that's how we're going to start reaching communities. That's how we're going to start turning communities more libertarian. And in turn, those people are going to start looking to more federal candidates. So that's always been kind of my my solution to the problem is we got to focus on some local and state. Let's, let's find some local state races that we, we, we have a really good chance of winning, get our people in there, let them prove to their community that libertarian solutions work. And then that community is going to turn around and start looking outwards. So, you know, that's, that's something that I've talked about a lot over the years. And I think Theodore's right. 
in many aspects. I just don't think that that would be accomplished as well without a libertarian party. Yeah. And, and, and you know, what? And, and let's go, you know, because Theodore is still he's he's fighting to get that Internet connection back. Um, But, you know, I will definitely say I am 1000 percent on board with building bridges to folks within those respective communities where we can build some coalitions. Right. And that's what Austin Peterson's been doing. I mean, he's been trying to do this G, uh, GOP Tea Party 2.0. And, and like, listen, I, I know there's folks in the LP who are like, oh, OK, how'd that work last time? It's like, yeah, you can you can laugh all you want. But like, what if he actually gets some liberty friendly people into office? That's what we need. I mean, that's I mean, can it, so coming up here in December, I'm having a Cliff Maloney Jr. back on the show on um, from Young Americans well, for Liberty because good friend. Yeah, love Cliff. Cliff's great. And, and and one of the things I love about what Cliff's doing at Young Americans for Liberty is that he's actually getting state uh, and local candidates elected who are Republicans and yes, have a libertarian leaning. Now, are they all 1000% no, ideological? All. No. And and you know what? We don't ex- we shouldn't expect them to be like that's not. And, and <laughs> this is one thing that drives me. It does drive me crazy about libertarians is that we have to remember that you have to know who your market is. Right. So like when you're running for office and this is again goes back to being the difference between the candidate and the activist is find that issue that you can be an activist on but then if you're the candidate make that that issue palatable for everybody else right you sure. can't go in guns are blazing you can't be the guy with the blowhorn but like if you want to be like the jimmy mcmillian like or jimmy mcmillian from new york state where he's the rent is too damn high guy right mm-hmm. that that sticks and that's a message that people resonated to and and he got a national platform because of that so Focus sure. on those issues, but I, I mean, again, if if you're running for for office in in those those parties, I had also say, you know, please support libertarian candidates. I mean, and this is oh, this drives me crazy. And I actually got really upset back in 2018 because um, you know, our our former chairman who was going after Rand Paul consistently, and then the next week, um, I remember this that he he had sniped Rand Paul about something, and then the next week, Rand Paul endorsed Gary Johnson in his New Mexico U.S. Senate bid, and I right. and I was like, and there you go, that's how you do it, right? And and you can say what you want about Rand Paul, but like without Rand Paul, I'm pretty sure we might have bombed Iran, and that would have been really, really, really bad. So like, I would much rather have Rand Paul having the ear of the president than not, and. I don't think that that's something that's, you know, something that should be controversial in the slightest. Like, I would much rather have Thomas Massey in Congress, who is going ahead and making sure that we're putting names to a vote on the uh, the, the overall, uh, what was it, like how many trillion dollars in the stimulus spending that we did there, right? Oh, like, right, right, yeah. Like, I would much rather have Thomas Massey there holding those people accountable than not. So, like, yes, I'm, I'm a completely empathetic with, with Theodore's argument, like, you know, going through the GOP Democratic parties, building that trust. And I think actually, Josh, you know, as, as we're wrapping up here, cause I, I unfortunately, I don't think Theodore's internet is, is coming back. So I haven't heard back from him. So hopefully oh, he's no. okay. I know, but you know, we'll have to do a follow up because it was a great conversation up until his internet uh, decided to, uh, you know, it was the feds. I'm just going to blame the feds right now. It's, the, it's feds. Always the feds. Yeah. They attacked his internet. They, they probably DDoSed him or something like that. So Theodore <laughs> RIP, uh, we'll be praying for you. Um, but what I want to do is maybe, um, as we go forward, Look at areas that we can have some optimism, right, for liberty. And I think heading into 2022, you know, people always forget that there are you know elections coming up in, in state and local elections. And that's actually, in many cases, more important in terms of actually enacting liberty policy going forward. So, Josh, let's kind of set the stage here as we wrap up. What would be some some optimism we can see from a both libertarian, big L libertarian party perspective, but also a GOP perspective in advancing liberty as we head into those uh, those very important midterm elections? Sure. Well, I think I think the most important thing to note 
over the last, you know, uh, four years at least, maybe even six years, is the amount of people that are fed up with with the two old party system. I mean, in general, right? I mean, you have Republicans in the Republican Party that are are just appalled at what the Republican Party has become. So running liberty liberty candidates in the Republican Party is going to look really good to those people that still want to be a part of the Republican Party. But also the, the the libertarian movement as a whole is just growing exponentially, you know, that whether it be anarchists or agorists or or even the left leaning libertarians and, and the right leaning libertarians and the libertarian party, everywhere you go now, there's some kind of sign of libertarianism. And that's something that you know, as, as somebody who's been involved with the movement since at least 2008, I just never saw before, you know, it's kind of that, you know, and, and I, I credit a lot of what I've seen personally, just because it's where my, my, uh, you know, my bubble lies, but the, the libertarian party Mises caucus has really grown this movement. I mean, just exponentially it, much more than I have seen from many other caucuses or groups. Uh, you know, they went from being a, a, a Facebook group with about, you know, 150 people to being about 5,000 people strong. They've now uh, taken over about a third or more of the delegation for the Libertarian Party uh, conventions. They have people working at all levels of, of the party uh, in party leadership. You know, they, they've really grown and, and they've, they've kind of put out this outward face of, hey, we're the unapologetic um uh, libertarians with libertarian values that are going to work to make the party represent you. And so I think that's been really good for the party. And, and, and after this election cycle, you know, between Trisha Butler in Tennessee and, and, uh, Kalish Morrow in California and these people that they backed that actually won their races, um, you know, they backed them financially and also, you know, endorsements and got people involved. That's, that's a huge thing to see, uh, you know, a group like that working to, to, and actually being successful. And so, uh, but there's other groups out there too, you know, that have done really great things. And, and, but I, I think that we're, we're waking up every morning to a, a country that's more fed up with the system as it stands. And that is so good for libertarians because that's what our entire movement is predicated on. Um, and so I think going forward into 2022, you're going to see, you're going to see a lot more people just done voting for, for the same old tyrants and, um, you know, and, and, and I've, I've made it clear that I'm throwing around a, the idea and, and doing some exploratory work on a federal run. But um, I know that there's a lot of really great local and, and, and state candidates coming up and, and you just keep an eye out, man. It's going to be it's going to be a fun time for the libertarians. Oh, man. All right. Let's do this as we wrap up, because this is airing on Thanksgiving. Right, Josh. So let's oh, go yeah. ahead. What are you thankful for this year, my man? Oh, man, I, I you really want to know what I'm thankful for. A hundred percent. I went, I went in March of 2020, I was a single gentleman living on his own in California. Uh, by March of, of 2021, I will have five kids in, in my home, uh, uh, a new either daughter or son. We won't know until it's born on January, a loving girlfriend. And uh, my daughter is, will also have her new baby in March. So we will have seven children in our home, uh, plus me and my, my wonderful partner. And that is what I'm the most thankful for. Uh, you know, it, it's been a long, hard road um, trying to be a father for me. If you've watched publicly, you've known that it, all this stuff has been dragged through the mud repeatedly. But I now have full custody of my daughter. I got full custody of her two siblings that are, are not mine biologically, but I love very much. Um, so it's it's just been really good, a good year for me there. And, and I'm extremely thankful. And, um, you know, once we get this situation set and ready and, and working on and firing all, all cinder, cylinders, I will be back. Uh, better than ever in the liberty movement and, and re ready to, to, to fight a, a 
overreaching state government and, and federal government. So love it. Yeah. And, and it has been great to see, man, that you're, you're, you're doing so much better. Um, obviously, you know, both professionally, personally across the board. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm very excited and happy to see that. And, and I'm thankful for, you know, not only uh, a very uh, happy relationship with my loving wife, uh, you know, we celebrate our one year anniversary here back in November. Um, but I'm very thankful that I'm healthy. Um, you know, I'm very thankful that despite all that's going on in the world that I, Knock on wood, have not had anybody close to me, um, you know, impacted with COVID. Uh, I, I I know of people who they did, um, and they they lost loved ones, and it's tragic. Uh, and, and you know, it's it's it really does hurt to to know that there are so many people who have been um, negatively impacted. So I'm very thankful that I I'm you know again lucky in, in that respect um, that my family and and my immediate family hasn't been touched yet by COVID. Um, I'm very thankful. For my audience, uh, you know, this past, especially these past four or five months or so, um, I have been, you know, incredibly humbled. My, my numbers honestly have been skyrocketing and I, I, I kind of took a step back and I was like, wow, um, you know, it, it's good. It's very, uh, uh, I guess reaffirming to know and, and very validating that people are, they do care, uh, and they do want to have these conversations and, and genuinely want to have, have a, a world where we can still live together and talk to each other. I know there are people out there who want to see harm on others. And, and I think, you know, we, we need to acknowledge that, but try to reach the people out there who they, they're looking for the alternative message. They're looking for some, some messages of hope. So, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful in that respect. And, and I'm just very thankful for, our, you know, that the, we're, I think we're starting to see it, Josh, right now. Our movement. I think we're going to see some coalescing. There, there, I'm, I just got this gut feeling that there's some sense of like, we, we got to do something different. It's what, what's been the past 50 years of this divisive nonsense. It's just, I don't care what happened in the past anymore. Like history, it, it, it doesn't, like it, yes, we can learn from history, but like we also can't just like live in the past. We have to look forward. And I think looking forward, it is a liberty movement united, focusing on advancing liberty that will actually impact real people's lives. I'm, I'm fingers crossed, man, that we have a strong candidate in 2024 who can articulate that message. Um, and it will help go down ballot and support local candidates, both from a libertarian big L party, but also when you have a Republican or a Democrat running, which I know there's fewer Democrats who embrace the, the term libertarian, but that they would then say, oh, I know what that means because I heard the libertarian party candidate articulate it in a way that made sense to me. So I, I, that's, I think where I'm standing here as we, we wrap up the show, what I'm thankful for this year. So, um, Josh, thank you so much. And unfortunately for Theodore, uh, you know, his internet, the feds did take him down. Um, so I'll make sure what I'm going to do for Theodore because I'm thankful for Theodore offering alternative perspectives and, and bringing his voice. He's very, very strong in his, his messaging. So I'll make sure because Theodore is a good friend on the show, I'll have him back on for a special one-on-one. Josh, definitely I'll make sure I have you on in the future as well for a one-on-one, um, as we discuss yeah, well, in the future. I, sure. I want to make it, I'd love, I'd love to make it clear that I, it's not like I, have this huge disagreement with Theodore. I, I I agree with a lot of his points, just not about abolishing the party. That's the only that's the only place we really diverge at at all. Um, and and so uh, I just want to make that clear. And so if you're listening to this, it's Thanksgiving. Pour out a little liquor for our friend Teddy. Uh, make sure and hit that F button because he just couldn't <laughs> hold on to his internet today. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah, we'll we'll make sure. R. Yeah, we'll make sure we get him back on though and get uh, once the the feds um, are are far away and his internet is restored. But that being said, Josh Smith, happy Thanksgiving! Thank you much, so much for joining the Brian Nichols Show. Uh, have a great holiday and uh, yes, be safe, be well, and uh, good good wishes to you and your family. Same to you, Brian. Thank you so much for having me on, brother. 
A quick read from our new sponsor, and that is the Expat Money Show. Now, if you are a longtime listener or even a relatively new listener here on the Brian Nichols Show, then you remember our good friend Mikkel Thorup from the Expat Money Show. What an episode to learn that just because you were born in one country doesn't mean that you have to pay your taxes there forever to do your banking there or to have your investments there, raise your family there, or even have your companies register there, learn there, get your kids educated there, or even live your life there. How about that? You can go ahead and live your life wherever it is you see fit, because the Expat Money Show, which is hosted by our friend Mikhail Thorup, originally started as a podcast but has grown to a worldwide community of entrepreneurs who are living international location, independent lifestyles. Mikkel is focused on helping you live an international life by looking at problems through the lens of global solutions. In this day and age, there is no reason you should let borders get in the way of having the best the world has to offer. So, Brian Nichols Show audience, head over to the Expat Money Show today. Give Mikkel a subscribe, a fantastic show, and tell him that Brian Nichols sent you. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Joshua Smith, and it was a great conversation, and, and definitely, you know, here at the Brian Nichols Show, what are we trying to do? We're trying to build a great network of, of folks focused on selling liberty, and we do that through any uh, avenues, honestly, that work, right? I'm, I'm looking at the Libertarian Party. I'm looking at the Republican Party. I will look at the Democratic Party. If you guys bring me Libertarian or Liberty-leaning candidates, I will absolutely support them on those issues that we can build coalitions on, and, and that's what we got to do, right? We have to advance liberty, and the best way to do that is to be problem-solved to be solution-oriented, right? We don't go in by preaching and lecturing. You go in by asking questions and trying to focus on the bed bug issue, what it is that really bothers them as not just people, but also as their communities. That's that's how we are going to be able to advance liberty. And and honestly, guys, it's we're at right now. It, it like now is happening. People are, are really open to the ideas of liberty. They're looking at governments imposing these arbitrary lockdowns, destroying communities and businesses, and people are looking for answers. And we have the solutions to those problems. We know we do. We have the best thinkers, but now we have to be able to sell it to them. And we do that, again, by being problem solvers and helping solve the problems that are in their communities. So, I ask you, if you are interested in helping us sell liberty here at The Brian Nichols Show, do me a favor. Make sure you head over to uh, social media. Give us a follow and some support at B Nichols Liberty. Facebook, Twitter, well, see for how long we're going to last there. Um, and in the meantime, make sure you head over to uh, Minds.com and Parlor.com and get that audience is built up over there, especially at Parlor. Um, we've been growing leaps and bounds over at Parlor at B Nichols Liberty. Also, if you support us here at The Brian Nichols Show and you are thankful for what you would do here at The Brian Nichols Show, please head over, give us a five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Greatly appreciate your support, guys. It really means the world to me. I love reading the reviews, too. Um, you know, if you guys also do that review, I mean, come on, also a little what's in it for you. What's in it for you is you are entered into our five-star uh, entry giveaway for Ebels. Ebels, our wonderful CBD sponsor. Uh, number one, if you have not checked out Ebels yet, I cannot recommend them enough. I use their broad-spectrum CBD um, oil. It's it's a fantastic, but also their freeze gel, their CBD freeze gel. Man, that stuff, I, I use it every single day. Uh, it, it really uh, helps... M- and this is the main thing too, right? You're never going to get rid of the pain, but man, it helps uh, helps you manage the pain. Um, and, and it's best, the best, 
product I've, I've honestly found uh, thus far on the market that works. Um, it's like BioFreeze plus CBD, if I can you know try to compare it to anything. Um, so guys, if, if you're interested in that, make sure you do that five-star rating and review. But if you're also just looking for some stocking stuffers, um, make sure you go ahead and uh, check out Ebels and use code TBNS at checkout. Um, it's, it's a fantastic uh, stocking stuffer too, especially for any of your, your friends and family who are athletic, uh, if they have lots of aches and pains, or even some uh, you know older folks. You know, I know as, as I say older folks, yeah, I'm, I'm you know feeling it right now in, in, at my age. So, I mean, come on. Uh, anyone can use Ebels. Uh, it doesn't matter what age. If you have aches and pains, um, go ahead and check out Ebels and use code TBNS at checkout for your discount. Instantly apply there. Um, and also, guys, we have some amazing shirt sponsors coming up here on the Brian Nichols Show. We're going to be adding some video segments uh, going into uh, December and into the new year. So guys, uh, strap in because if you guys also use code TBNS at our, our uh, uh, sponsors for the uh, different shirts that we're going to be uh, promoting here on these different videos, um, you can also get um, some fantastic apparel, uh, again, with code TBNS at checkout. So be making sure you check out... Uh, I know a lot of you guys, I say a lot of you guys, all you guys are audio-only listeners. So make sure, um, if you have not yet, check out our Facebook page, Twitter, Parlor and minds.com at B Nichols Liberty will be posting our video content on those different platforms. Uh, so guys, again, make sure you follow me at B Nichols Liberty and email, by the way, Brian at BrianNicholsShow.com. So heading into tomorrow, we are joined by Stephen Kent and we're going to a galaxy far, far away. We are talking about the world of Star Wars and how it uh, relates to our world here in, in terms of not only politics, but also when you look at the um, the way that our society has, has uh, really interacted and, and reacted in, in many instances to the, uh, the overarching themes of fear, right? Uh, we discussed that and some more uh, fun Sith Jedi fun stuff there. And honestly, it's one of my favorite conversations I've had here in the show because we talk about Star Wars. I'm a huge Star Wars nerd like you guys know, right? The Office and Star Wars. Like, that's my two things. And Dallas Cowboys, but I know they suck this year. So, um, with that being said, guys, uh, make sure if you have not uh, hit subscribe yet, you do that so you don't miss tomorrow's episode. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off for Joshua Smith. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.